Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pull Your Shelf Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jessica. And I think we're kind of on track for doing this in a timely manner this time. We're closer than we were last time. Yeah. Well, so maybe a day off. Mm-hmm. And and we're, we're doing it from a secret remote location now. It's true. It's very exciting. So if you hear any barking, it's because we have special guests. It's it's Jessica's animals. <laughs> yes. We are recording from Jessica's dining room. Mm-hmm. So it gets used. Yes. <laughs> very exciting. Well, so things are uh, continuing to be weird at the shop. They are. So in Savannah, we've had an uptick of cases. So we are still... Um, Although we've, re- we've returned to somewhat normal hours, we are still with the front door locked. Um, we're only allowing a certain amount of people in. Mask wearing is not optional. Nope. And uh, we're trying to keep everybody as safe as possible and hoping to be able to remain open, but it all depends on on where we go from here. Well, giving ourselves some mild Lysol poisoning, but it's all <laughs> worth it in the name of safety. It's true. Yeah, um, and we've been continuing on with reading and doing our book clubs through Zoom, so we're back with some more book recommendations for you. We are. I think we're going to talk about maybe first uh, a book that we both recently finished for our Tequila Mockingbird book group. Yes, it. that's our book club that reads classics and then pairs them with a, a beverage, it's a little more difficult to pair it with a beverage over Zoom, but everybody has their own beverage on Zoom. It it works. Well, and it's fun because we get to see everybody's pets and everybody's home. Or it's true. The the pets uh, making guest appearances is my favorite thing about any Zoom meeting. Like, <laughs> there's inevitably a cat that jumps into frame or a dog. My dogs have all made appearances on our Zoom meetings. But we just read A, a Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Um, okay, so this, the weird phenomenon with the Tequila Mockingbird book club is that a lot of these books we've all read before, so this is our second time reading them, and a lot of times we have read them in school as forced reading, um, and I find that with a lot of them, I didn't care for them when I had to read them in school, but I'm having a new appreciation for them now that I'm older and have a, a little more life experience. Not this one. Um, I, you know, I read A Tale of Two Cities in ninth grade. Um, I really liked it when I read it. And looking back on it, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I really liked my English teacher in ninth grade, and I think that she taught it well. And this was a phenomenon that Melissa and I were discussing. It seems that the books that we really didn't care for that much in high school when we were reading them. Um, Grapes of Wrath, for instance, which I really dreaded reading again. I I thoroughly enjoyed Grapes of Wrath, have a great appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was topical and timely and, and just really, really enjoyed reading it. And A Tale of Two Cities I read in the 10th grade, and I think I probably had a, a very good English teacher that year as well, and I loved it, and I thought it was so romantic and funny and interesting. And in the rereading of it, I found that I had little patience for all the words. Yeah, he, he does use a lot of them. He is a fan of the sentence that goes, 
and this, and this, and this, and this. He uses about 20 ands in a sentence, and it's... Well, and the descriptions of Mr. Bumblestock's hair was <laughs> spiky. It was so spiky that one would never want to play leapfrog with him. Yeah. Um, it, I, I know he's trying to be funny, and there are there are times when oh, very, I find very Dickens yeah. laugh-out-loud funny. Um, it was less so with rereading this book than I usually find him. Um, and I, I definitely think I um, did not like this anywhere near as much as I've like reading great expectations mm-hmm. recently. Like I've really enjoyed that, but yeah, this, this one just did not work for me. And I feel like that was kind of the consensus for the book club is that we all remembered it a little more fondly than, mm-hmm. um, than rereading it. We were, it. we were all looking forward to reading it. Yeah. And then once we all started reading it, there was a lot of really making ourselves yeah. read it. And um, we had to keep reminding ourselves that this was written as a serial, that he was paid by the chapter and the word, that it was written for more of a, a mass market audience. And so not that we're great. No, we're, know, we're in no way great readers. Um, <laughs> but some of the characters just seemed very one-dimensional. The mm-hmm. women were all either the best, 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 most perfect angelic of women or the worst 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 well and that's a reading that made me really look at dickens other Mm -hmm. female characters and i feel like most of his female characters are very flat and one-dimensional i don't feel like he writes women well um and you know i i I know it's of a certain time Mm -hmm. and it it's fine it's just i was expecting um it's kind of when you expect you you really have great expectations <laughs> about reading a book. Yeah, stop and it. <laughs> I know. And you remember it very fondly. And we, we had this with Fitzgerald as well. Oh, no, I had never read that Fitzgerald book. Mm-hmm. And I I was not looking forward to it at all because what I have read of Fitzgerald, I haven't cared for. See, but and I, I love Fitzgerald. And I had read The Great Gatsby and some short stories as an adult, you know, not not in college, not in high school. And I found them just as good as the first time I read them. But Tender is the Night. Tender is the Night. Um, we found that one really kind of a difficult read. I mean, all of the characters were completely unlikable and self-absorbed. Well, and knowing how much of that was pulled from his real-life relationship with Zelda, and it just made it uncomfortable, honestly. <laughs> it, it was, and I had read that when I was in college, and um, I remembered it fondly, I think, because I read it on the beach one summer, and I, it, it just all fit in with them being on the beach. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and yes, as an adult and someone who's a little more grounded in life with some more experience, I, I found it not... Um, not romantic at all. Not romantic <laughs> at all, yes. But, well, that's, that's all Melissa and I are going to do as far as, as uh, taking down great dead authors a little bit but I you know I mean you not every book you read you're going to love and and not every book holds up to the test of time I I find the same thing about movies I mean I Tim and I uh re-watched Three Men and a Baby recently oh that mm. movie does not hold up just don't don't re-watch it's true there yes <laughs> so it's true not every book that you remember fondly um do you need to necessarily revisit some of them? I think you can just leave them in that happy spot. Yes, exactly. So 
What else have you been reading, Jessica? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I've been reading a wide variety of things and listening. Right now, I am currently listening to Death in Her Hands. And the author's name is difficult to pronounce, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's Otessa Mon mm. Mashfeg. <laughs> And that's really bad, and I'm sorry. I should have looked that up before. Um, but I really like her writing. I have read a couple of things by her. Um, she wrote My Year of Rest, rest and, and relaxation, relaxation, which I completely loved. It was a very weird and quirky book um, that takes place in New York right before and as the Twin Towers are getting ready to be attacked and fall. Mm -hmm. And um, the main character in that book is a very quirky um, art student who is having a very difficult time of life and decides that she would like to be drugged so she can just pretty much be drugged through an entire year and maybe that will reset her life. Um, you have to maybe read it. Maybe it won't. <laughs> uh, maybe it will, maybe but it will. I don't want to give anything away on that one. So this is her most recent book, and the main character is an older woman whose husband has passed away, and she has moved across the country and bought herself a little cabin in the woods and um, in Maine, and she has a dog that she's very fond of named Charlie. And she and Charlie go out walking through the birch forest every morning, and she has sort of a quiet life, so you think, when you begin reading this. Um, and then she finds this piece of paper in the woods that says, her name was Magda. Nobody will ever know who killed her. It wasn't me. Here is her dead body. Hmm. And so she picks it up, and she, as far as I can tell, because I'm about halfway into the book now, goes about her normal business, but this just hangs in the background of her mind, and it becomes more and more sinister and strange as she keeps rereading the note and reimagining the story and who Magda is and who may or may not have killed her. Mm -hmm. um, and so I haven't finished, but it does have a very creepy feel to it. Um, and I think that things are not as they seem. And we're getting a little bit deeper into her actual relationship with her husband, who initially she paints as the most wonderful of sainted men. but. Just a hint of maybe something dark lying under that and some other... She, from from what I've heard of her, um, because the feminist book club at the store read Eileen mm -hmm. by her um, yes. for one of their picks, and Miriam was saying that she goes very dark, um, and she writes very kind of troubled characters. Like, they, she, they are not... Uh, no. always the good people <laughs> they're not they're not always the good people and they're not always um likable mm -hmm. but they're interesting yeah and her books are interesting and her writing is very um concise which is a real pleasure after just having read <laughs> very different <laughs> very very different <laughs> and i i like the creepy factor in her book it's almost eastern european um in its kind of feel and tone of there, there's just a, a deep underlying darkness that's either in your character's mind mm -hmm. or represented in the physical world, but it's hard to figure out where it's going. Okay. So interesting. I, I would recommend it. Um, death in her hands. And the 
additions that we have at the store. So they are special editions and are signed, and they were supposed to be a special edition for Independent Bookstore Day, which was canceled because of all the um, COVID shenanigans. Mm -hmm. So they still put out the special edition of it um, for independent bookstores. So it, it, it is a lovely copy of the book. And um, it has extra content in it. If yeah, it I has some extra content in the back. And I'm looking forward to getting there, but I'm not going to cheat. And, yes, um, don't, don't spoil. And, and spoil it for myself. All right, Melissa, well, what have you been up to? Well, right now I am reading Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Now... Again, this is um, an author that Jessica and I went to a dinner with at a conference that we went to, and she talked about this book when it was first coming out, um, and it's completely right up my alley, and she's an adorable human who is, like, pocket-sized and mm -hmm. super cute, and um, so it's been on my to-be-read list for a long time now, and I finally went through my to-be-read list and took a lot of them as the science fiction and fantasy picks for our book club, so it would make me read these books that have been on my list. So that's that's why I'm reading it right now. Um, so if anyone is familiar, there is a series of books called The Spellman Files by Lisa Lutz, and they are um, a... They're not cozy mysteries. They're funny mysteries mm -hmm. um, about a family of private investigators who are very dysfunctional and the main character is a bit of a screw up. Um, but it, this book magic for liars reminds me of if you took the Spellman files and meshed them together, I hesitate to say Harry Potter, but mm -hmm. there's some very Harry Potter overtones in this. So Spellman files meets Harry Potter. So the main character in this book is a private investigator. Mm -hmm. um, and she's at her office one day and a woman comes to hire her. And the woman is the headmistress of a magical academy. Uh -huh. um, and there's been a murder and the um, woman's death was ruled as a suicide Mm -hmm. um, by the magical investigators that came and investigated, but she wants a second opinion because she doesn't believe that that's what happened. Okay. Um, and so the twist is, oh, no, 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 this is okay. not, this is not giving anything away because this, I'm getting ready to no, read it. No, too, this so, is like yes. in the first like 10 pages. Okay. The twist here is that the main character, um, her name is Ivy, her sister, Tabitha, is magical, and mm -hmm. she and Ivy is not. And Tabitha is a teacher at the Magical Academy, and they haven't spoken for several years now. There's been a, a rift between the two of them. Okay. So she takes this job knowing that she's probably going to come into contact with her sister, and, and mm -hmm. you know, in spite of that. Um, and so I have gotten to the point where she has just arrived at the Magical Academy, which is not Hogwarts and mm -hmm. nothing like Hogwarts. Um, and she's starting to investigate this murder. Okay. So Ivy is not, is the investigator mm -hmm. and she is not magical. She is not magical at all. All right. Yeah. And I may be wrong, but this is the, um, this was at the conference where she said she wrote all the words. Yes. Yes. All <laughs> yeah. Words? She, she, she stood up with her book and she said, this is my book and I wrote all the words in it. <laughs> And so, I, I yeah. believe her mother is a bookseller. 
or um, a librarian? I think her mother owned a bookstore Store. because I think she said she grew, grew up, up in mm-hmm. a bookstore. So, which, you know, instantly makes us How like her all the better. How you not have magic in your veins running through them when you grew up <laughs> in a bookstore? True enough. Um, but thus far, it's um, very, very readable, very quick moving, um, very, very funny. Like, mm-hmm. So... And I'm enjoying it very much. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I really want to read that one, and I intended to start it today, but um, life. Yeah. Well, and this is a, a nice um, change from the science fiction book that I read last month for Science mm-hmm. Fiction Book Club, which was very gritty and dark. And oh, well, that was the one that had no no laughter, no, no fun. No, there was no funny in that. <laughs> um, so this, this one is a nice change. Oh, good. Well... So I guess I'm going to talk about a, a couple of books that I've, I've read a while ago, but really enjoyed, and I think um, I would love to recommend them to other pa- people. They're all in paperback now. Um, I read them when they first came out. But the first one is a really interesting, quirky, and fun New York story called Lillian Boxfish Takes a Walk, and it's by Kathleen Rooney, and it's a novel, and because we can't really visit New York right now and living in a city, a big city like that, is, is harder than it once was, um, I, I thought this was a fun one to revisit. The main character is Lillian Boxfish, and when we meet her, she is in her 80s, but she has lived an interesting life in the city, and she is 100% a city girl. And it starts in the 1930s when she comes to New York and she starts as a copywriter at Macy's and she's the highest advertising executive and woman in the country and really the first to do this. Um, And by 1984, she has retired. She's written a couple of books of poetry. She has married and divorced and had children. And it's New Year's Eve, and at New Year's Eve, she always walks down to, I want to make sure, to, um, to, to Delmonico's restaurant, which is way down in the Wall Street area of New York. Um, she lives up in Murray Hill, um, around 36th Street. And so she just takes this 1984 cold New Year's Eve, she puts on her fur, Um, New York is much grittier and different than when she um, first started. And she walks, and she goes in different places that she remembers, um, and you kind of go through her life with her as she's walking. And so she goes back and forth in remembrance and then forward into what's going on in New York now. And it's it's just a charming story. And in the front of the book, um, they actually put a map of everywhere she goes. So when you finish the book, if you ever want to, if you're in New York, which I did this one time. I walked her walk um, when I had some free time because my child had ditched me for her (laughs) more interesting (laughs) college friends. Um, And I just spent the day walking this walk and it was really fun because it takes you through so many different neighborhoods in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And the story is based on a a real character um, who was a poet and worked for Macy's in the 30s. And so I think it was, um, I think it's a, it's a fascinating walk through the history of our country and New York um, done in little bite-sized pieces um, with an interesting narrator in Lillian Boxfish. So how does her walk compare to the uh, forced death march you took me on um, when we were in New York? Um, Well, we don't go through Central Park in her walk. (laughs) So um, 
yes, I, I understand that not everyone likes to walk as much as I do <laughs> when I'm in New York. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of taking the subway because I feel like I don't get to see as many things. And I'm I, not a huge fan of taking the subway because of the hepatitis. Yeah, well, <laughs> now the COVID, but... Um, Actually, they're probably cleaner than they used to be. I would think so. There's an upside. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I tend to walk down different streets, and I usually like to stay in the village and then kind of explore from there. And I, I just, I don't know. I really, um, I usually end up walking about 10 to 11 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Melissa's like, mm-hmm, that's, that's what true. you did yep. to me. That's, that's what we did. <laughs> but but I do stop and go in places and see things. Mm-hmm. And um, I did take John, my oldest child, on a, a similar death march. But we went to find a castle um, that he, uh, oh, was in a book, a children's book, that's in the middle of Central Park. Mm-hmm. And we walked to that, and then we wanted to go across over to um, the Air and Space, not Air and Space, uh, the observatory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we ended up walking all the way around Central Park into Harlem and then back down again. And um, John was very tired. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a good day. I, I understand John's feelings. I, <laughs> I was very tired as well. <laughs> well, so if you are a walking enthusiast <laughs> and, um, and you're not able to take long, long walks in New York, this is an excellent book to get you through right now. Lillian Boxfish Takes a Walk by Kathleen Rooney. Very nice. Um, so... I read recently um, the uh, Waking Gods, um, or the Waking Gods is one of them, Sleeping Giants. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the trilogy, the science fiction trilogy. Um, So I was looking to see if that author had anything else, because I really enjoyed those books, and I really enjoyed his writing. And the only other thing he has is this very tiny little... I mean, I don't even know that I would call it a novella. Like, it's probably it's probably short story, um, mm-hmm. but it is published um, by Tor.com. Oh, who is um, publishing really, really good, good books I, right I, now? I know that we say that every time I mention them, but but they are really putting out amazing books. Um, anyway, so this one came out a couple years ago, and it's called The Test, mm-hmm. and it is a. Um, a man who is going in and he's taking the citizenship test to become a British citizen. Um, And so that doesn't sound all that interesting, um, but it really is because there's, I mean, obviously a twist. It's a, it's a dystopian sort of alternate um, history. um, And Mm -hmm. Something has happened, and they don't really explain kind of the state of the world that's beyond mm-hmm. the scope of the story. But the test to become a citizen um, seems much more straightforward than it actually is. And um, it's a really interesting quick, quick read. I read it in like less than an hour. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just one of it's just kind of fascinating Mm -hmm. and for something so short and so little I've been thinking about it ever since I read it um and it's not one that I can tell you a lot about because it will completely ruin right the the reading experience you need to pass that one I on to me I know Tim has it right now so as soon as he's finished but or or I could actually you know 
okay. acquire my own copy. Yes, but but yes. that's but yeah. So it it's one of those ones that um, it it will it will make you think a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, that sounds good. It I'm really is good. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that one. Um, well. I, I don't talk a lot about Murakami on this show because I have a hard time describing his books. It's the same sort of thing. Um, I love his writing, but it's like being in a weird dream that you're having. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of similarities in, in his books. There's usually a very attractive man, a distant and strange woman. There's some kind of tunnel or well or something. Oftentimes there's a cat there's a bird there, uh, you know, it, it's magical realism. And so, and they're very Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just love them, but I have a hard time describing them to other people. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Murakami. Um, but there is another author that if you like Murakami and you're looking for something in that vein, Banana Yoshimoto and she has several books. One is called Kitchen. This one that I just really loved is called Moshi Moshi. And instead of being as male-centric as Murakami's books are, this is a mother and a daughter. And the mother and daughter are struggling, struggling with the loss of um, husband and father. He has apparently committed... Um, suicide in a pact with an unknown woman, which takes them very much by surprise. And so the mother comes to live with her daughter and they try to work through their grief together, really. And it's, it's just a, it's a short book, um, but it's beautifully written. And it is, it does have that magical realism, dreamlike quality to it. And, and part of it is the daughter keeps having this reoccurring dream about her father's cell phone and trying to find it. She feels like he's coming back and haunting her um, to find the phone that he left behind on the day that he died to call him. Interesting. Yeah, and I don't really want to say a lot more than that, but I did learn some some unusual things about Japanese culture and this specific park and woods that people go to commit suicide in, and kind of everybody knows that, which I found unusual. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know I'm not giving a great description of the book, but it is definitely for fans of Murakami, and I really enjoyed it because it... You don't in in Murakami's books. You really don't get a woman's perspective very much, mm-hmm. um, and in this book, it's told completely in a hundred percent by women, uh, Japanese women. So it shows you a different side of Japanese culture than I'm used to seeing in my magical rea- realism foray, <laughs> forays. Um, so I would really I would highly recommend it. Um, Banana Yoshimoto, Moshi Moshi. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it's you couldn't read it in. Oh, pro- I think I read it in a, a day or two when I was on vacation. I'm trying to see, and it is quirky, but it's really wonderful, and it does have a very satisfying ending. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. It's 206 pages. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, very nice. Yes. Um, so, Jessica uh, was talking about some things that she had read before and really loved. So I thought I would do that with one of my picks. Um, for this time. So the one that 
came to mind is the Air Affair. Ah, yes. Um, yes. So the Air Affair is by Jasper Ford. Mm-hmm. It is the first in a series, um, although you could read it by itself and it would stand alone. You don't need to read the rest of them, although they're fabulous as well. Um, and the main character is Thursday Next. She is a... Um, investigator I guess is the best way to say it she so these are a alternate history they're set in the 80s um they have perfected genetic cloning so she has a pet dodo who Mm -hmm. is very cute his name is Pickwick (laughs) um and um they she is an investigator in the literary detectives so Basically, she's um, been working on a lot of forgeries that have come out, like people selling um, fake Shakespeare and fake works of Bacon. Um, And she... um, It comes out that somehow someone has changed the ending to Jane Eyre. So that sets her on this whole new adventure to try and figure out how someone has messed with one of the greatest works of British literature. And, um, what it, again, I can't tell too much about this because it will ruin it. Um, but she discovers that there's a way to move in and out of books. Mm hmm. And so that kind of sets the stage for the rest of the series. Somehow I think I've read one of these. Um, I, I mean, if you haven't, you absolutely should. I, <laughs> I don't want to spoil too many things, but I seem to recall reading this where a close relation of hers is also involved in this, and she discovers that as she goes along. Um. Well, her father is a time traveler and has kind of gotten lost in time and is being tracked by the, like the time police almost. Um, so her father is kind of MIA, but he pops in occasionally and you, he, it's funny because he doesn't really know sometimes where he is in Mm -hmm. history and doesn't really know what's going on. So he'll like stop in and say something and she has no idea what he's talking about, but then it eventually will make sense. I have totally read this book. Yeah. That is very exciting. It's been a, when did it come out? Oh, um, it came out when I was, were I, I, I think it came out before I was working at Borders. So, okay. I mean, I mean, it's been out for a long time. So I probably read it somewhere in, oh gosh, in the nineties. Um, I think, yeah, I think it probably, well, I, I can look it up. We, um, we, 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 we have the technology. Yes. Um, yeah. So I read it, um, I read the whole series as they came out, uh, because I just fell in love with the, um, with the air affair and just his writing is hilarious. And further along in the series, he starts to make use of, um, footnotes and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in them, which he doesn't really do a lot in the first book. I, and I just think he's, he's just brilliant. Um, I definitely read only the first book. Um, 
and it has been some time ago. And this proves to you that Melissa and I don't have a lot of notes here when we're talking. No, we, we're just off the cuff here. Off the cuff. Um, 2003 okay, is when it first so came out. So, yeah. Sometime in the early 2000s I yeah. read this. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just, it really is. Because I remember her father. Yeah, her father is hilarious. A, yeah. um, so there are seven of them, and the most recent of them came out in 2012. So... All right. It's been it's been a minute, um, but it's yeah, f- a kind of futuristic time travel, um, alternate history, very no. very funny. Especially a lot of very literary puns that are super funny. Um, her brother is a um, a priest, which is. It, it's just yeah. yeah it's fun so maybe a little bit dirk gently's holistic detective agency ish um yeah a little bit um i mean yeah, douglas adams is uniquely douglas well, adams but if but you like that sort of humor mm-hmm. because he, jasper ford is welsh um right. so he's i think that's how i ended up reading this because i had gone in for the Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency series, and then, you know... They it's br- like, if you like, like this, this, you might, might also like this. Like this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But um, it's um, it's just distracting and funny and mm-hmm. is not um, a heavy read by any stretch of the imagination. If, and if you like books and just... Yes. It's, it's, it's perfect. Good. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, I'm going to go to something which is completely not like that. <laughs> um, this is a book I picked up, and it's definitely a book you can read in little chunks. Um, I picked it up when it first came out, which has been a few years ago, in hardcover. And I'm not quite sure what I was going through at the time that made me want to read this. I was 2016. Um well, the whole world was starting to go through a lot in 2016. So, um, but it's it's called The Violet Hour, and it's great writers at the end. Mm. It's by Katie... Royf. Royf. We're really going to have to start looking up how to pronounce people's names correctly. <laughs> it's by Katie, R-O-I-P-H-E. This is why we put all of the books that we talk about on our website under the little pull yourself together tab. So all the names we've butchered, you can figure it out from there. <laughs> yes. Um, and so she tells the story from um, really in-depth interviews and papers and time spent with different authors, family members about their deaths. Well, and um, <laughs> they're, but they're, they're really, it's really beautiful. And there's a sort of connectedness and comfort in, you know, the fact that we're, we, we will all meet our in someday. And um, so it's Susan Sontag, Sigmund Freud, John Updike, Dylan Thomas, Maurice Sendak, and um, then there's an epilogue by James Salter. And I, it's, the writing is beautiful. The, the, um, it also gives you great insight into the writers themselves and their lives, because she does talk about their life and what they've done and accomplished over their lifetimes. And then she really interviews a lot of... Um, close friends and family members it is it is a particularly literary book I mean the writing is very literary literary (laughs) you can say that um 
But I, if you want something that is not as melancholy as it sounds, with some beautiful writing and some insights into some of maybe your favorite writers uh, that you didn't know about their ends, which some of these I did not, um, I, I recommend it. It's in paperback now. It came out again in 2016. And you can pick it up and put it down. It's, it's sort of like, as I've been reading um, uh, Good Boy, mm -hmm. it's one of those books that you can put on your bedside table and not feel guilty about. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I've, I've, oddly, I found this book very comforting and insightful. And um, I, I would very much recommend it as, as that kind of pick up, put down again book. Um, and... Yes, I, I, I'm doing that with Good Boy right now, and I, I, I'm at a pause in it because I've been scarred by one of the chapters. I can't get an image out of my <laughs> mind. Um, I've been doing that with, uh, and this is not even remotely the same kind of book, but like How to Be an Anti-Racist mm -hmm. um, by Kendi. Um, I've been reading that a chapter a night and just trying to absorb it and, you know, because it's a lot and it's a lot to think about and I can, I can mm -hmm. do a chapter of it at a time and I, well, and this you is, know. you can kind of do one, one life at a time and, um, and uh, you can, or you can, it, you know, there's a couple of chapters in each one. They're all about, um, 30 pages or mm -hmm. so. And it's, it's just a lovely book. Um, I'm not obsessed or fascinated by death, but I, you know, um, as many as of us have at this age, have lost friends and family members. And um, I just oddly found this comforting and a nice, nice, um, nice discussion of our final hours. All right. Okay. Well, um, in, in no way like that. Um, the last thing I was going to talk about, and Jessica has read this book as well, so she's mm -hmm. going to chime in on this one too. Um, I actually listened to it on Libra FM, um, and it's called A Burning um, by Mega Majumdar. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and I think listening to it is a great way to go with this book um, because it is told from three different main perspectives. There's a couple of interludes that are from a different character's perspective, but the main um, crux of the story is told from three different perspectives. Um, and the audiobook has a cast, so it's three different narrators doing it, um, which is really, really good, um, especially the, the one character, Lovely. Like mm -hmm. Her narrator is especially good, and I, I very much enjoyed um, listening to her. Um, but so the three different perspectives, you have uh, Jeevan, mm -hmm. who is a young woman um, from a poor family. She is basically... Um, making the money to support her family at this point because her dad has been injured and cannot work. Right. And she, um, she has a good job too. She I does. Mean, she, she, she works in a shop and is, she's finished school. She, she speaks English. Yeah. She's doing, she's actually doing very well. Um, and she has just been arrested because the police think that she was involved in a terrorist attack on a train, uh, which resulted in the death of 75 people. Well, and it's, it, the part that I found interesting was that her prized possession was her cell phone. Mm -hmm. 
um, because it was really her link to the world. And she had friends on Facebook, and it was a way for everybody to talk and meet up. And the way she gets in trouble is by a post on Facebook because she feels she's not really getting enough likes or attention. Yeah, but and and her post is not not in any way wrong and um but but it was um not supportive of the government. And she lives in a world where the government monitors all those things and you can be arrested, which is true if you post something that they see as suspicious or inflammatory. Yeah, so they think that she was a sympathizer and helped uh, this, this carry out this terrorist attack. Um, and so that's the main perspective, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Lovely. Lovely yes. is a hijra, um, mm-hmm. and hijra is um, transgender. Transgender, but in India accepted Um, yes and i found this fascinating about indian culture and it actually made me understand um part of bride and prejudice a little bit more so you know the the musical number Mm -hmm. where the the marriage has come to town musical number where there's the hijra that are singing to the bride it's customary apparently in indian culture for yeah for hijras to bless your um new children um marriages Mm -hmm. um so so that's what lovely is. And um, there is a book by John Irving called The Son of the Circus. I have not read that which one. Is I have really read a lot of John Irving. It's it's kind of a, a I don't think a lot of people have read it. I think it's it, a lesser known it's one. It's a lesser known one, but I went through a phase where I read all of John Irving because mm-hmm. I'll do that with an author sometime back when I had time to, to do that sort of thing. Sure. And it explored all of that, and I learned about all of that part of Indian culture. Mm-hmm in that so I knew I knew well it, it, I, I've always found that part of Bride and Prejudice funny mm-hmm. and I was like oh, that makes so much more sense now yes. but so um so Lovely um does not speak English well she's learning and Jeevan is actually a friend of hers and Jeevan was teaching her to speak English and read English yes. um in her spare time and Lovely is an aspiring actress yes um she goes to acting classes and you kind of see her her journey to be an actress. Yes. Um, and then the third perspective is P.T. Sir. And P.T. Sir is, was Jivon's um, physical education trainer. Yeah, f- physical education trainer at school. Um, and it's it takes a little while to become clear as to why he is telling part of the story because mm-hmm. it doesn't really tied together so he knew her as a child yeah and he has um you kind of meet up with him when he has seen the news and realizes who she is yeah um and And he 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 begins to become active in a political party sort of by accident right It, it 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 just kind of happens but he gets a um he has always been a man who felt like he could mentor children and help them in their lives and um and also had a certain position in society he felt um his his position well and it's interesting with his history with Jivan especially um he realizes that she is poor and doesn't have enough to eat and so he kind of takes her under his wing mm-hmm. 
at least yes. from his perspective, he does. Yes. And, and brings her food and all the stuff. And so she leaves school, um, after 10th grade, she takes exams to pass the 10th grade and leave school because she gets a good job mm-hmm. and doesn't explain to him that she's leaving and doesn't say bye to him and doesn't thank him. And he, he kind of, that kind of weighs on him a little bit. It, he takes it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but he feels he's of a certain station in life and that he should be respected in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, she violates that by not doing that. But of course she was leaving because she needed to support her family and mm-hmm. he never bothered to investigate yeah. that part of it. So. so so you have those three perspectives and through Jeevan's perspective, she's telling her story to a reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you learn all about her background and what um, what's happened with her family mm-hmm. and how her her dad got hurt and why she's supporting the family and everything. Um, it's, it is not a happy book. No, it Um, is not a happy book. Um, so I read it. I did not listen to it. mm -hmm. And I think I, and I liked it. And I think it's a very good book and a a necessary book. But I did find the dialects a little, um, difficult to get through, which I usually don't. But I also read it as an advanced reader, which is a little rougher than a finished copy. Mm -hmm. So, um. I may go back and listen to it, but I, I really did enjoy it, and I got the gist of the story. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I in no way regret reading it. No, and <laughs> I, I especially liked listening to it because um, I have a special place in my heart for Bollywood films, and it, <laughs> it basically was like listening to a Bollywood film. Um, mm-hmm. And it really, um, but it's a very serious subject matter. It is a serious subject matter, and it just opened my eyes to a lot more. Um, things about um the state of india and where where the government is in india and just how how things are it takes place in modern day and the main character is muslim Mm -hmm. so um she has a different place in society a being from the slums and b being a muslim um which is already under suspicion and then um living in a, a smaller city Um, there's just a lot against her. Yeah. Um, no matter how hard she tries. Yeah. But it's, it's very, Mm. very well done. Um, very well written. I, I enjoyed it in spite of the fact that it's a difficult book and, and just hard subject matter. It's, but like I said, not happy, but, but a good book, but a very good book. It's, it's definitely worth, um, worth the effort and, um, worth the time to read this book. And it does, I I think it does shine a light on things that, you know, we see injustice and things going on in our country, but it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of always has been everywhere and, but maybe someday it won't. Yeah. Maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday. Well, on that happy note, I know. Um, I think that's all we have this time. Um, it is, but we um, we will be back in a couple weeks. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and we will have read more by then. Yes. Now and that we've finished A Tale of Two Cities, we can... Uh, well, we have to start on The Color Purple, which is our I'm, next book. I'm, and very, I'm very excited, excited about The Color Purple. I've never read it before, yeah. so this will be my first time. And I think it will go more quickly than A Tale yes. of Two Cities. Well, I'm cities. excited about that. And then um, for another book group that I lead, I'm reading James Baldwin's Go Tell It on a Mountain, which I have never read before. And I'm very excited about that because... This particular book group, we've been mired in Southern culture for a while, and I'm ready to jump out of it. Um, we've read a lot of sort of historical things, not sort of, historical um, stories that take place in Georgia and, um, and the South, and a lot of them have used the language of their time, and I'm, I'm really ready to see another perspective. Absolutely. Um, so... I'm looking forward to it. Very good. Well, so we'll have ideally happier reading choices next time, <laughs> or at least having had um, better reading experiences next yeah. time. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll try to end on a, a happy, funny high note next time, maybe. Well, we're just mixing it up. <laughs> mixing it up. That's right. But a burning, definitely worth your time. Yes. Well, thank you guys for listening, and be well and read books. Take care of yourselves. Bye. And everyone else. Oh, yes. All, all the others. Yes. Everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>